We have one last chance to watch the Hoosiers before the holidays this weekend. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? It is Friday, December 23rd. This is Locked On Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rood. I hope you guys are enjoying us today under the covers, inside, uh, warm, most uh, certainly, because it is frigid outside. I want to thank you for making us your first listen, even on this very, very cold Friday. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We get one more chance to watch IU tonight. Uh, they will still play. Kennesaw State is in Bloomington, so they were they arrived a little bit early ahead of the weather so that they could play the game. So there will be a game. You guys can stay under those covers all day and turn on the game this evening. Tip-off is set for 7 p.m. in Assembly Hall on Big Ten Network. Kennesaw State is a team the Hoosiers have only played twice, uh, 2013 and 2015. Ironically, both were on December 22nd. This on December 23rd. So for whatever reason, IU really likes to play this team before going into the holidays. Uh, that first matchup in 2013, Yogi had 25 points. Uh, Will Sheehy had 15. IU won 90-66. to 66. The more recent of the games, IU won by 27. Yogi again, 16 points. Thomas Bryant had 20. Troy Williams had 20. James Blackman had 19. I guess it's good vibes to beat Kennesaw State as you go into the holidays. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, certain now neither of those IU teams, uh, well, that first team been, finished 500 uh, and struggled. <laughs> the second team, though, uh, did not finish 500. They won the Big Ten, made it to the Sweet 16. Uh, they beat Kentucky as well, so... 50-50 chance that if IU wins against Kennesaw State, they will have a Big Ten title at the end of the year. That's what I'm taking away from that. Uh, but this is a Kennesaw State team that is bad. Uh, not the worst Indiana's faced. Ken Palm has them 215th, which among the bye games is a it's the best team we've faced. Uh, it's it's not much of a consolation. Like this is still a game I, you should win by 20 points, but Kennesaw state is a team that comes in with an eight and four record, not played a ton of tough teams. They did play San Diego state on the road lost by 34. They played Florida very early in the year in Florida lost by 10. Their other two losses are to Campbell who's ranked 228th. They lost to them by 24 in VCU. They lost to by three really funky team that struggles on both ends of the court. If we're being frank, they, they shoot the three ball really, really well, and they don't do much else. Well, we'll talk about the team itself here in a bit, but uh, 
this is obviously a game for the Hoosiers to continue to get things right. Now, ultimately, it's probably going to be a game that we we know, obviously, it won't feature Xavier Johnson. We talked about him in, uh, I believe, Thursday's episode and the fact that he is out indefinitely. We also talked about him earlier in the week, kind of what to expect with him out. It's going to be a lot of Jalen hood Shafino. We know that now. I don't think things necessarily change now that there's a, a clear diagnosis for Xavier Johnson. I think it'll just be Jalen hood Shafino running the show. Maybe he takes a little more authority because it's, he's not really a, a placeholder now. But outside of that, this is his show uh, and this is this is his offense to run. I wouldn't honestly be a little surprised if Trace Jackson Davis played seems to really be having nagging injuries. I don't think it's anything serious uh, than what IU has led on to just because he's played well in the game. A lot of the games he's played. I know he struggled against Arizona and Kansas. Those are also two good teams. And I don't think his injury is related to him struggling because he looked fine against Nebraska and had a triple double. He looked fine against UNC he still has had plenty of good games. I, I just think he kind of has some nagging injuries. If you don't have him play this game, then he'll go from December 17th to January 5th without playing a game. So that's a fair amount of rest he's going to get to have, which I think is wise to do because, as I said previously, this is the last time you can afford to rest him. After this, you are playing a Big Ten schedule, and it's going to be tough night in, night out, game in, game out. So I'm fine with sitting them in this one. IU should still have plenty of guys available to win this game. And among those, Malik Renew is someone that I'm kind of keeping an eye on in this one. Mike Woodson said after last game, he's got to figure Malik out. He only had 15 minutes in that win against Elon. I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to use him a lot more in this one, assuming he can stay out of foul trouble, I think we could potentially see a lot of minutes for Malik. It doesn't do great for IU kind of building chemistry with its starting unit to not have Trace out there, but I would rather have Trace healthy and available against Iowa than kind of building up whatever chemistry you might get beating the breaks off Kennesaw State. What IU needs to avoid is what Iowa did. As we mentioned earlier this week, lost to Eastern Illinois, who is ranked 347th in Ken Palm. For reference, Elon is 343rd. So it would be like IU losing to Elon, which Eastern Illinois won going away in that game against Iowa. One of the worst losses, biggest upsets in NCAA history, just in terms of sheer mismatch and rankings and spread. It was a, it's going to be interesting. IU will not be the first game for Iowa after that, but they will be the first home game. Iowa plays at Nebraska and at Penn state before hosting IU on January 5th. But like I said, it'll be the next home game. That's, that's looking ahead a bit, but Let's avoid what Iowa did, avoid being upset. It's a Kennesaw State team that hasn't been great this season. Knock on wood, I don't want to start jinxing things, but 
We'll talk about how they've looked, who to watch out for, things of that nature. Before we jump into that, you guys may not be on the road much today, but obviously the holidays are a time of festivity and and enjoying time with family, maybe throwing some back. Did you know that driving under the influence of marijuana is also illegal? That's right, driving high could get you a DUI. And if you're wondering if law enforcement can tell when you're driving high, well, everyone else in your life can. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell. So what makes you think law enforcement can't tell? Well, they can. If you feel different, you drive different, drive high, get a DUI, paid for by NHS, NHTSA. We mentioned a little bit about Kennesaw State. We'll talk some more about them in a second. First, though, thanks for making Locked On Hoosiers your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, wherever you guys get podcasts. The Owls of Kennesaw State are ranked, as we said, 214th in Ken Palm. They're 215th in adjusted efficiency offensively, 208th uh, defensively. So right in the same offense and defense. They, (laughs) this is a funky team because if you guys have been on Ken Palm before, they sort, they kind of color code the stats with red and green. And then if it's kind of in the middle, there's just no color there. There's a lot of red, a little bit of green, but really a lot of red with this Kennesaw State team. It's kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. What they do well, they get to the free throw line. They're 63rd in free throws attempted per field goal attempted. So IU cannot foul, which has been a problem at times for them, especially in their bigger games against Arizona and Kansas. And like I said, they shoot the three ball well. They shoot 39.5% as a team. We're going to mention some names, but there are just a lot of really good shooters on this team that shoot at a high volume. So keeping guys off the line is going to be imperative because their two-point percentage is 317th in in the nation. So if you get them off the line, you're going to do well because they just can't really make shots inside of the arc. They don't have a ton of size, uh, especially size that actually plays. They have a a 6'11 junior center, Eve Nakamba, but he does not play. They have a 6'9 forward, Cole LaRue. He plays a little bit, but only about six or seven minutes a game. Uh, You're looking at the starting kind of center, being a 6'8 forward, Desmond Robinson, and then a 6'7 forward, Alex Peterson, who also plays sparingly each game. After that, nobody else on this team is above 6'6. So inside, IU should absolutely punish this team uh, tonight. Malik Renu, Race Thompson, Logan Duncan, if he plays, Jordan Geronimo, if he plays. Again, though, as we mentioned, he's someone with a dislocated finger sit him out to be honest it's a pain tolerance thing apparently there's no reason to use him this IU team has enough depth to beat 
a Kennesaw State team. You can, I wouldn't be surprised if they had Geronimo in a similar way as they did on or in their last game on Tuesday, where he's dressed and maybe he's available if you really need him, but don't play him otherwise. It just, again, you're you would give him a big break between games to get that finger right so he can be healthy when the actual games start. Back to this Kennesaw State team, while they get to the line a lot, like I said, they're 63rd in free throw rate, basically. They are 342nd in free throw percentage. They will shoot a lot of free throws and miss a lot of free throws. They're also 331st in block percentage offensively, which means they're getting their shots blocked a lot, which is what happens when you have no size. They also are 296 in steal rate, so they give up a lot of steals, live ball turnovers. A lot of this is spelling good things for Indiana. An Indiana team that's built on winning in the perimeter in, in the interior and pressuring guards on the perimeter. This is a team that has no size and coughs up the ball a little bit. That sounds like a good formula if you're asking me. Defensively, they are 301st in effective field goal percentage. They do not really slow people down. Where they find success, interestingly, they create turnovers and they don't give up a lot of offensive rebounds. Now, part of that might be simply the other teams making the shot. So uh, they might not have a lot of offensive rebounds to even give up based on some of these numbers. Because I don't know why else they'd rank 40th in offensive rebound rate and 282nd and 291st when you're looking at three-point and two-point percentage. I tend to lead, lean into the fact that they just may not have offensive rebounds to give up. They're also 338th in free throws attempted per field goal attempted. If IU will drive to the rim and get in the interior, this team will foul you. Uh, Malik Renew, again, Race Thompson, those bigs, get those guys into foul trouble because it's going to be a long night if you do that. I mentioned they allow teams to shoot the ball well, whether at the three or in the interior. The one area as well, they, they do rank 92nd in steal percentage and 102nd in non-steal turnover percentage, so dead ball turnovers. So they're above average in that regard. But outside of that, this is a, a bad defense or a bad defense and a bad offense. An undersized team that relies on three-point shooting. They do have some shooters. Chris Youngblood leads the team. And scoring 14.2 points, 45% from three on 64 attempts in 12 games. He's going to hoist them. He's going to make a lot of them. You also have uh, Kaysen Jennings shooting 41% from three on 39 attempts. You have Brandon Stroud, who's made 38% of his 29 attempts. Uh, These guys are averaging... A lot of threes per game, 288 in total this season. You divide that by 12, you're going to get 24 threes attempted per game. They're going to hoist. They're going to put some shots up on tonight. But at Youngblood's their leading scorer. Terrell Burden, 11.3 points per game. Desmond Robinson, we mentioned, 8.5 points, 4.8 rebounds. And then Brandon Stroud, 7.6.6.8 rebounds. I feel pretty good about this matchup, just kind of looking at it big picture. This is a team that you have to respect them as three-point shooting. They could get hot, 
But IU is a team that does well defending the three. They only allow teams to shoot 31.9% on the season. So if IU plays as it should defensively and guards the perimeter, they just have a size advantage that's going to be hard for Kennesaw State to deal with. If you start getting guys in foul trouble, it's going to really create some issues for them. So we'll see how that works for the Hoosiers. I'd be interested to see if they play a little bit more up-tempo. They did it a bit against Elon. I think this team looks better when they play with pace. Now, you're going to look better no matter how you play against a team ranked as low as Elon is. So maybe don't put a ton of stock into that, but I wouldn't mind this IU team getting out a little bit more, trying to create some easy buckets, especially for how much they struggle in the half court offensively, or at least have in the last couple weeks. Get out and get some easy buckets, and who knows? You see the ball go in a couple times on layups, and that changes your frame of mind when you're shooting a three-pointer, for example. So anything can help with this IU team. Let's wrap up this show and this week talking some women's college basketball player rankings from ESPN, as well as some men's college basketball bracketology. We'll do all that here in just a moment. We talked preseason. We mentioned this list put together by ESPN's uh, staff ranking the best players. Grace Berger was in that list, and Mackenzie Holmes was an honorable mention. There's a number of people that that are contributed to this with ESPN, writers, analysts, anybody that's kind of really involved in the women's basketball coverage. Uh, submitted lists or ballots for this. The usual suspects are at the top. Aaliyah Boston stayed number two. Caitlin Clark's, or excuse me, Aaliyah Boston stayed number one. She's probably the favorite for player of the year. And we said that the other day. Caitlin Clark stayed number two. Uh, Azzy Fudd jumped from 13th to three for UConn. And then you're going to have, there hasn't, there wasn't a much jump anywhere else. Uh, in this list, Diamond Miller from Maryland. We know about her. She jumped from 21st to 11th. She's had a strong season. Going to be a tough matchup for the Hoosiers. But it's Mackenzie Holmes who went from not ranked to 13th. The highest player to jump from outside of the poll into the poll or into the rankings. Uh, here's what they had to say about her. Holmes wasn't ranked in the preseason, but her high-level performance in the front court for number four Indiana made her an undeniable addition. She's been a steadying force for a Hoosiers team, playing without star guard Grace Berger. Holmes ranks first in the country in field goal percentage among players who have, have at least 100 shot attempts. Uh, she's shooting 69%, which is absurd. Holmes displays exceptional footwork when she gets to the ball with the ability to finish from the left or right block. We know about all that. So... Third ranked Big Ten member between behind Clark and Miller. Uh, J.C. Sheldon was on this list. Ty Taylor Mikesell from Ohio State. Both those players, 18th and 19th, Mikesell and Sheldon. Uh, she those two are going to be a tough matchup for Indiana whenever that one comes. Emily Kaiser for Michigan also on this list in the Big Ten. Uh, Diamond Johnson, a former Big Ten member, now at NC State. And then 
among the also receiving votes category is Grace Berger. Obviously, her injury, the only thing keeping her off this list, because she was playing as well as she needed to at the beginning of the season. She would be, she was in, I think, about that range where Mackenzie Holmes finds herself. So she, I mean, it's a real bummer, but if you listen to our show yesterday, we talked, sounds like Mackenzie Holmes could have dropped a hint that Berger would be back this season. It's something I'm going to read entirely too much into. McKenna Marissa is also on this list. The Big Ten well represented. I was looking to see if Cook from Illinois is on this list. She deserves some recognition as well for having Illinois as good as they are. So shows you the talent level. The Hoosiers are, are represented in there. They would have two in the top 25 if Grace had stayed healthy. But it also shows you how much this is a kind of a team effort for Indiana. There's a lot of pieces that are are making them a really strong team this season. Let's talk men's bracketology to wrap all of this up today. Joe Lenardi released his newest one at uh, midweek. I forgot to mention it earlier in the week. He has IU as a four seed, which feels fair, uh, especially after the recent losses. I think IU could get back up into the two, three seed range. One seed I feel like is out of the question, barring them kind of running the table. Purdue is a one seed right now with UConn, Kansas, and Arizona. The next highest rated Big Ten team is IU. They're one of the four seeds. Nobody else is really in that range. Wisconsin is a five seed, as is Illinois. Um, So six seed Xavier, that's a win that's really holding up for Indiana. And if you want to look at the positives, Indiana is one of the only teams that has a quad one win on the road with that Xavier performance. You really want Xavier to do well if you're the Hoosiers. They're ten and three now. One of those they haven't lost. Uh, they lost to IU. They lost to Duke. They lost to Gonzaga. They've won every other game. They're going to get a crack at UConn on New Year's Eve. So root for the Musketeers because that only helps IU's resume. Back to the Hoosiers in this bracketology. This would have them going to Orlando. You could go down to the games, go to Disney World if you wanted, make it a long weekend. Indiana's a four seed against James Madison, which is an interesting team. They shoot a lot and average a lot of points. That is a very good offense that uh, James Madison has. They're, I wouldn't love that. I would rather a team that you could just kind of overpower but James Madison has cleared a hundred points five times it looks like they've cleared 90 points uh three more times they've cleared it no they've cleared it a lot James Madison scores a lot let's not play them I, I don't want that matchup the matchup I do want would be the next one if we win if Kentucky wins IU versus Kentucky stop me if you've heard that before four or five IU Kentucky matchup Give me all of that. I want Calipari. I want that game. I want it now. I would love to just keep beating them in the tournament and hold that over their head. The one seed in this region is Kansas, who IU is familiar with. You can make of that what you will. There were moments where IU was close, but Kansas pretty thoroughly outclassed them in that one. North Carolina is the sixth seed in this bracket. IU familiar with them. Gonzaga's in this, Alabama, Marquette, 
so some familiar teams in this it was it's in the midwest region it, it would the regional would be at kansas city some familiar teams in this area and i wouldn't hate this i i i wouldn't love the kansas matchup i would want iu to get to that three level to try to avoid some of these one seeds kansas and arizona are one seed so i mean like as frustrating as these losses have been they're the two of the best teams in the country right now. It's it like I said, it showed us I use not at that level, but not being at a one seed level isn't the worst when it's December. And I used to have some room to grow. It's just the important part is going to be growing and making good on the potential that I think IU has and not just plateauing and being this team come March and April, theoretically. Thanks again, guys, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We will not be back Monday. I record these the night before. I'm not going to record on Christmas. We will be back on Tuesday. We will potentially talk about the game tonight. Probably not. It'll be so far afterwards. Have a couple things up my sleeve. Some of my favorite moments from... The last calendar year we'll talk about maybe uh, some rankings of memorable plays or games or things like that. We'll have some fun next week. Uh, The women's basketball team will play. The men's basketball team will not. So there'll be plenty of time to have some fun and do some different episodes next week. But for your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you guys get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter if you have not already, at LO underscore Hoosiers. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating and review. All of that great stuff. Have a happy holidays, guys. If you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas to you. I hope it is a great one. As I said, stay safe this weekend. Stay warm. Stay inside if you can. Watch Locked on Hoosiers. Watch IU. There's plenty of episodes you can listen back to as well to get caught up on everything going on within IU. Most importantly, though, everybody, go Hoosiers this evening and LEO.